Welcome to Business of Design. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. The Business of Design podcast offers immediate, actionable strategies and a glimpse into some of the many field-tested, proven systems you can implement to transform your business and your life. After the show, head to businessofdesign.com and get started with the BOD 15-step project management strategy and six foundational programs. Together, they deliver the systems, procedures, and strategies you need to run a successful, highly profitable design business. There's no theory here. The complete BOD business model is yours through Business of Design membership. Business of Design. There's only one. And now, your BOD Advocate-in-Chief, Kimberly Selden. Come on, admit it. I know you want this. I've always wanted this. An office manager, right? Doesn't that sound helpful? Wouldn't this amazing person most likely be able to solve, if not all, at least a lot of your business challenges? Absolutely. There are benefits to hiring an office manager. So in this episode, we're going to talk to someone who is a non-designer. That's okay. She comes from an interior design family. Her mom is an interior designer and Hilaire Martin went to work with her mom in the role of COO, Chief Operating Officer. Hilaire's superpower is finding those operational gaps. And in this episode, we talked to her about, well, first of all, what's the difference between an office manager and a COO? Is there a difference? What's the difference between an office manager and an administrative assistant? Which one do you need to hire? Do you need to hire someone? How big should your firm be if you're thinking about hiring someone? What are you going to pay this person? What are they going to do every day? So many questions answered. Oh, and this one, should this person be an interior design professional? I don't want to give you the answers. I'm going to let Hilaire do that. But I will say this, I have experimented at different times with hiring each of those people, administrative assistant, office manager, chief operating officer. The title's kind of irrelevant. What really matters is that you have systems in place that you want one of those people to manage for you. Because one thing I've learned the expensive way is that to hire someone to come into my business and create systems doesn't really work. But once I have systems, even if I only have some systems, I can teach my new hires how they can really be helpful to me, and we can tweak things as we go along. Our guest today, Hilaire Martin, is a Southern girl at heart, she says. She's filled with compassion, a little bit of sass, but mostly grit. I love that. Doesn't she sound like someone cool to hang out with? Hilaire says she grew up in the industry and she's been around designers her whole life. I told you her mom is an interior designer whose firm Design Line Signature was looking for someone to help them get to the next level back in 2008. That's when Hilaire graduated and she was ready to go to work as the COO of her mom's company. She's learned a lot in the last 14 years and has a lot of great direction in terms of hiring for the position of office manager. Find out more about Helene at Design Lines Signature on Instagram or... You can also find her now at 4E and Company, also on Instagram, F-O-U-R-E-A-N-D Company. That's a new company she's just 
launched. Hilaire, we wish you nothing but success. Great episode. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks, everybody. Quick announcements, and let's find out if you should hire an office manager, shall we? Is tomorrow the day, Cheryl? Tomorrow's the day. It is. It is. We're doing VOD live and we're focusing on custom lighting. And we actually have a couple of our members uh, taking over the lead, which will which will be awesome. Uh, so we have uh, Michelle Burbage and Genevieve Wild, uh, both covering lighting. Uh, Genevieve is a custom lighting designer. Uh, Michelle it, uh does lighting and she's also partnered with her husband for Sienna Lighting um, to sort of talk about the manufacturing side of that, uh, quality, how to educate your clients, all of that good stuff. They've both uh, been on the podcast and we've had great feedback. So we thought we'd sort of bring it direct to our member. So the one thing I want to point out, so it is happening tomorrow, Wednesday, September 27th, uh, but it's going to be at 8 p.m. EST, which is sort of 10 a.m. for Genevieve uh, in Australia. So Please note the different time. Look it up to make sure that you have the right time and that I haven't messed something up uh, so that you don't miss this. So 8 p.m. Um, EST. It has a different time. It's like slightly yes. early for pajamas, but you know, you never know. I might show up in my pajamas. Who knows? Yeah. Why not? Why, why not? not? I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm obsessed with the topic of lighting. And if you didn't hear episode 340 with Joe Barres, I strongly recommend that that, you, you know, favorite that episode. And by the way, we never ask for this, but you guys, if you like the podcast, could you give us a thumbs up or a like, or where do they rate us for podcast, Cheryl? Yeah, we're on uh, iTunes and across anywhere that you stream your podcast. We would love it if you could uh, subscribe, uh, write a review. That always helps as well. Uh, and it just sort of pays it forward to your fellow um, BOD members, to your community, uh, to, so that other designers can find us and hopefully benefit in the same way that you are. It's so funny. I listen to so many podcasts that I love, and they all ask you to do that on every episode. And I think we just never, I just never remember to do it, which is so funny. But anyway, yeah, we'd, we'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much for doing that. And thanks for arranging this lighting BOD live. It's just part of your membership. If you're a member, we do these events once a month and people show up and we learn so much and you can ask specific project immediate questions. If you're having a struggle and get answers from people in your community, you can meet other designers who live near you. I have never failed to show up to one of these that I just wasn't blown away by the generosity of this group. So I'm looking forward to that. I think there's still one spot available for Toronto and one for DC. Also, if you're thinking about going to the BOD 15 and you want to implement the BOD 15 and learn everything about them in two intensive days, please show up to Toronto and DC. And you know, Cheryl's the person who has all the information. Yeah. So Toronto, October 4th and 5th, Winchester, October 25th and 26th. Full details are on the website. Registration is still open. And as always, uh, reach out to me if you have any questions. Thanks, Cheryl. Bye. We'll talk to you soon. Good morning. How are you, Hilaire? I am great. How are you? I'm wonderful. I understand you only had coffee this morning. You haven't had any breakfast. I haven't. And I know there's really good food in Raleigh, North Carolina. I spent a lot of time in Raleigh uh, with my family. My brother used to live there. My daughter's name is Raleigh. It's a beautiful place. It is. I was born and raised in Raleigh. So Where are you now? And are you a musician as well? Because I see a guitar and a banjo hanging behind you. You know, 
I would like to take credit for that, but that is the talent of my husband. Uh, I am more of a dancer. So uh, I am around music, love music, but I move, obviously, dancing. Okay. Well, we're not talking about that today, although that's an interesting (laughs) side note to explore. We're actually going to talk about the value and benefit, challenges maybe, how you can transition into using an office manager, because we know so many of our business of design members and the business of design community think about hiring an office manager. Perhaps they're going to think about hiring that person full-time or fractionally part-time. But tell us, first of all, tell us about your interior design firm, and then and then we'll jump into the experience of working with an office manager. Does that sound okay? That sounds great. So I was born in this, born and raised in this industry. My mother um, runs a very successful interior design business called Design Line Signature. And she has been in business for 44 years. And I grew up coming to the interior design office, the studio after school or on my trackouts. Um, I even had sales reps that I've known basically pretty much my whole life. Um, growing up. And so I joined my mother's firm in 2008, professionally, as I like to say. (laughs) Um, And I um, joined her right after college. I got my degree in communication. So I'd always thought I wanted to do like PR agency, big city, um, you know, do do all that corporate world. And um, there was an opportunity where I said, hey, mom, you don't have anybody in communications. Um, let's just see what that's like and see if that is a good fit. Maybe we are great at it together or maybe we're, we'll fail miserably, but let's do it together. So um, she hired me initially for that intent is to be a communications um manager and to help her with her brand. And over 14 years, I have developed into essentially helping her run her business. Okay, wait. Um, so 14 years, that's that's a success. I would say the experiment was yes. a successful one. <laughs> and probably the transition it, into the company was really smooth because you were so familiar with the language and what they did. And that that's kind of an ideal situation. It is. It is. I think it was an opportunity where we've always been very honest with each other. And um, that was definitely always been in the forefront of our minds and working relationship. Um, We have a close personal relationship. And so being able to translate into the work environment was um, exciting for us. And so over those 14 years, I took on, as as time went on, I took on more and more responsibility. Um, So you could essentially call me like the COO, the operation, you know, chief operating officer, helping her um, making all the wheels turn within the business. Well, I was going to ask, and I know we're, we wanted to transition into office manager, but the fact of the matter is now I'm thinking, what is the benefit of hiring a COO or even, you know, starting with communications? If somebody was thinking, wow, that sounds kind of wonderful. What sorts of things did you do for your mom and what were the tangible outcomes? The things I did for my mom in the communications world were um, promoting her brand, um, getting a presence on social media at the time. Um, in, in 2008, I mean, blogs were hot to trot. <laughs> I mean, they were just, there were lots of blog writing. Um, you know, how can we get our projects published, um, whether it's local, national, regional, um, going to 
interior design related industry events, ju not just High Point Market. Um, you know, so those are really some of the very beginning tasks that I I did and and focus points, and then as time went on, um, you know, chief operating officer, I'm I literally am doing tasks. I say anything anything except design. So some days I'm taking trash out, some days I'm you know meeting with sales reps and vendors, or talking with clients about um, their project, um, getting ready for an installation, um, having a client pay a bill. So it's, it's literally the designers can focus on the design aspect. Mm -hmm. And then I have the relationship in other areas and being able to help make those wheels turn within the business. Well, it sounds like you kind of transitioned into being the office manager for your mom yes. or the CEO. Yes. Are those terms interchangeable? Is there a difference between a COO and office manager? I, I, I tend to think so, Kimberly, because an office manager, yes, she's he or she's going to do the basics of managing the office. The COO has got the big picture, has got the goals, the, the, the strategy of the business, um, looking at the financials. Maybe an office manager just looks at, you know, some basic day-to-day -day things, but you're looking at fi financial, you know, quarterly reports, you're looking at forecasting, you're looking at your cash flow. Um, to me, that's a part of the operations. Um, it's also logistics of an install, understanding, um, you know, this puzzle piece and that puzzle piece, and they all have to fit together, and how's that going to work? Um, you know, I could tell you stories about different types of installations and all the challenges that arise from that, or like, how do we get you know, um, an installation of a, a roof install. Well, and there's only a certain window of opportunity, you know, uh, space, excuse me, and in, uh, in the stairs, and I've got to use a crane to do an installation, or I have to go cross country with the furniture. Um, so there's all kinds of logistics um, that, you know, I help the designers. Uh, and my mom over the years, you know, through that process. Um, so I, you know, I think, I think also a chief operating officer is going to be intimately aware of where projects are in their process. Okay. Um, and would that would the your office manager would also be aware of that? So I I get that that a a COO would have more of a ten thousand foot view of where Correct. the company's going, what the goals are, where an office manager is more about day-to-day, -day, but that office manager would definitely be involved, probably for most people, yes. with logistics like you're talking about. Yes, absolutely. Uh, okay. I remember we had to ship a marble staircase from China to Halifax, which <laughs> seemed like... <laughs> Honestly, it would have been easier to get an elephant in my car. <laughs> so I would have really liked to have an office manager back then. Okay, so very specifically, what tasks does an office manager perform? Because I'm thinking of everybody listening and they're wondering, gosh, do I need one? Could I have one? What would they do for me? In addition to the logistics question, which you answered, what sorts of tasks would an office manager do every day? I would think an office manager is going to be the face of the company, meaning anybody that comes in, you know, foot traffic. So they're going to have a nice um, presence, um, greet people at the door. Um, an office manager is going to know clients' names, um, be able to answer phones, be able to see where uh, facility-wise, if you've got two project client 
meetings going on? You know, do people need lunch? Do um, you need some price quoting? Does a designer need a real quick price on something? Um, so being able to call vendors, being able to understand account numbers, being able to understand um, maybe if there's some project management that a designer needs help on, um, you know, whether it's getting a proposal out the door. To me, an office manager is understanding um, anywhere from office supplies, um, you know, helping basically execute the day-to-day -day operations and support the CEO of the company. Have you ever found yourself drowning in a sea of vendor logins, clicking through endless links and trying to keep tabs on all the orders for all your design projects? Well, say hello to Daniel House Club. They're not just any old club. They're founded by fellow designers who get us. They'll provide you with everything you need to manage your design business all in one place. Let Daniel House Club take the order logistics off your hands and handle the hassle. And that lets you focus on what you do best, which is design beautiful spaces, right? With the industry's lowest trade pricing and flat rate shipping, which is awesome, across top vendors like Forehands, Eichholz, and Korean Co., you can take control of your business and increase your bottom line while delivering exceptional value. Join as a Pro Plus member today and get 50% off your membership at danielhouse.club backslash BOD. And because this community is so important to Daniel House Club, they're extending another special offer. Top BOD customers on DHC currently have over $100,000 of furniture on each of their boards. Whether you've been on DHC for years or you're signing up today, Add $10,000 worth of goods to your board. That's not a lot, right? And you will be emailed a $100 gift card to use on future orders. Thank you, Daniel House Club. We love that. Okay, so I'm I'm drilling down in this for you know for my own sake because I'm learning a lot. So thank you. But how does it differ from and just an administrator? Because I've had administrative assistants who do that. Is it just a better title, or is there some distinction we should be thinking about? That's a great question. Um, I would think an administrative assistant is receiving, their tasks are reactionary to whatever they are assisting that person on. So if you are an administrative assistant to the CEO, your, your daily tasks are dependent on what the CEO needs. To me, an office manager is aware of the ins and outs of the business in the sense of a facility, what's going on, you know, um, it's almost like it's almost like on a uh, like a cruise ship, like all the all the um, the cruise ship hands, you know, that are on the main deck. They're understanding, you know, who's at the pool, <laughs> you know, who's who's at the, um, you know, at the restaurant, who, who needs some help getting navigating, you know, different places. So the op to me, that's the operations person. Okay, so it's it's just a broader grasp of the business as yes. a whole. It might yes. be that it's an, um, an administrative person could step into this role if they have the yes. ability to anticipate the needs of the company, because that to me seems to be a critical aspect. To not wait for someone to come and say, I need your help. It's like every, every woman I know who hosts a dinner party with her spouse, 
I have to remind my spouse over and over again, he's a super hardworking guy, super conscientious. He'll do everything to lead up to the party, but I have to remind him that he's the host. It's time for you to refill drinks. It's time for you. And when I have to go to him and say, people are out of wine, that's not as good as if he were to, <laughs> right? So right. He, he's, an, he's an assistant at that point. He's not an office manager. So, right, right. okay, I'm trying to relate it to my life. So you're looking for that person who can anticipate the needs and get ahead of some, some of the issues that are going to come up. Correct. Okay. Correct. And is there a size of firm that would benefit? Like, for example, what size was your mom's firm? How many designers before she hired you? Um, gosh, I want to say she was right around six. Okay. She's ebbed and flowed over the years, Kimberly, between, um, you know, she started out, you know, two, she's gone up to 10. Um, now it's just me and her. Um, and so there, you know, there tends to be a sweet spot. Um, you know, sometimes 10 is a little too big, um, unless you have the certain, uh, specialized supporting, business roles, not just like 10 designers and one office manager. Right, right. Um, But, you know, there is a sweet spot for success. And I think each firm or each designer has to identify that for themselves and know their strengths in that because you could be great working, you know, in a team of 30 and have wonderful designers, but there's got to be infrastructure set in place to have that success. Um, or you could work beautifully as a designer and office manager and that be beautiful too. Right. So yeah, it, I guess, yeah, you could kind of slice and dice that anyway, but chances are it is likely not going to be just the owner and an office manager. Ch- chances right. are. Could be, but chances could are be. you might be a little bit bigger team. Okay. Right. So I'm, I love this conversation. Tell me more about what the office manager does and why it's a critical role. I think it's a critical role because designers like to put their um, time and energy into many different facets within the business. And while that's beautiful, it may not be the best use of time or the best use of energy. Maybe a designer's strengths obviously are out, sales, you know, getting that project, talking with clients, working with builders and contractors. That might be the strength of the designer. And so having someone whose strengths are in different areas is only going to make your team that much stronger. So um, the office manager is really going to provide um, different, uh, like, it's just going to elevate the team to me. It's just going to make it a better success uh, story. I know because of your background in communications and working with your mom for such a long time, and I can already tell that you're really uh, clear that you need systems in order to run your business. I would think that that's a critical element of hiring that office manager successfully. And in my experience, when I've tried to hire someone and, and I say to myself, it's okay, they'll create the systems, that's never, ever a good idea. The ramp up time for someone to understand my business and create systems on my behalf is just too great. So I would think maybe you want to have most of your key systems in place before you think about that hire. Does that make sense, Hilaire? It does make sense. Um, I think a, a, a um, clear understanding of your operational process is very important. Um, 
you could certainly task the office manager with finding a new technology to alleviate some pain point potentially um, and, and set it up in measurable uh, measurable steps you know for that office manager for example um, we need a different way to onboard clients and sign contracts for example so you know being sure that if you do pass on something to an office manager or a support role, that they understand, okay, these are my deliverables, here's how we're gonna measure them, and here's how we know how to get, like, here are the success, uh, oppor- you know, sex, success rate, excuse me, of that. And so I think having, if you're gonna have, go ahead and have those structures in place, but if you do need to implement something, create a plan, create um, measurable goals for that. You know what? I think all designers, every designer I know who runs a business can speak pain points. You know, I can, yes. I can tell you this thing is, this is killing us. We're dying every single time we onboard a client or every single time we get to the deficiency stage, we're just, you know, burning out. Um, so I can articulate that where I fell short over and over again, and I still need someone to push me toward discipline in this area, but is the setting up those measurable moments where you're deciding whether or not it's working. And to me, that might be one of the greatest benefits of that office manager, where you're saying to someone, I need regular check-ins, you know, every two weeks or every week or every month, whatever it is, to determine if this is working before I go too far down this path. Mm-hmm. Right, because I've right. I I have a real hard time cutting my losses. I was talking about sunk costs recently on an episode, and you know that could be whether you're hire, hired a new person, and and I'm so busy I haven't noticed that they're actually not doing anything and they're not helpful, or it could be as you said, like the software situation where we're paying all this money for software, people are spending all this time trying to figure it out, we can't figure it out. I don't know if it's working. Having that person who says we're going to meet on a regular basis to determine the merits of this. That seems really good. It does. And I think I think understanding yourself and really being honest with yourself, I think, is part of the equation. You know, I think if you have all of these ambitious goals, which are wonderful and beautiful to obtain, but you have to be able to be honest and say, like you said, to get to this success, we need to set weekly meetings or we need checkpoints. If you're doing a massive project, maybe you need daily check-ins, but understanding where you are in the process of achieving that goal. But then two, if you need to, all designers are visual. I mean, we all are. So let's, I say, map it out, get poster board, you know, make circles, say, this is this is the first step in the goal or like identify the challenges almost in a way, Kimberly, doing like a SWOT analysis, doing your strengths, doing your weaknesses, opportunities and threats for onboarding, you know, a new system or um, saying, okay, I need to maybe invest and create my own warehouse for receiving of goods or whatever the task or pain point might be, you know, sitting down and analyzing that is really, really important. And I think it, it helps the success rate at the end of the day. Yeah, and I wish I could rewind the calendar and go back about 20 <laughs> years and add an office manager. I had at one point I had this assistant who was a dream 
and we had her about six months and then she moved away and I was just devastated. And this, this was before everybody, you know, could work remotely. Um, today, of course, that just wouldn't even be, be a big deal. So you live somewhere else, who cares? Um, is there good motivation and bad motivation for reaching to hire that office manager? Have you, have you identified like, this is going to be a bad idea, don't do it now, or this is the time when you should really think about it? I think there are, yes, good motivations for hiring someone and not good motivations for hiring someone. I think you, again, go back to being honest with yourself. Is really this person just to be a glorified assistant, meaning like, you know, take care of your emails um, because you're too busy answering, you know, you're too busy on projects? Or is this person um, going to have specific tasks? I think... I think at the end of the day, setting out goals for the pur- purpose of hiring is also important. So, um, and, and then, then this person who comes on board, they need to understand those as well. Communication is key. <laughs> it so is. And so if, you know, they're being hired, you know, to run it to Starbucks and get your coffee or uh, helping facilities upkeep and studio library management, you know, then that needs to be articulated in the job description, in the interview process. Um, but if you're just hiring somebody to to sit there and to learn, some people are going to be motivated, but some people are not. And so I think, again, having those clear defining tasks and roles and responsibilities are very, very important to the success, not just for you as a firm, but for that person to succeed within your firm. I resisted for so long writing out job descriptions because when I hired someone, I thought I want them to do whatever I want them to do. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to limit their job because what if I need them to figure out how to move a marble staircase from China to Halifax, right? I don't want to right. limit their... But in point of fact... Writing the job descriptions made everything in the office work so much more smoothly, and I could see what tasks had fallen through the cracks, those those uh, tasks that nobody was really responsible for. And so then I knew who to hire. And I'm and I'm assuming if you are really strategic about this, and you and those ta- the most important tasks you need are someone to go to Starbucks and make sure the library is organized. You're not going to pay someone a hundred thousand dollars a year for that, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, you might even right. just get you know. Uh, Uber Eats to bring your Starbucks every day and eliminate that problem altogether, right? But that's what I did over and over again. I hired people that were going to be my assistant uh, back in the day. And those were the kind of tasks I let them do because I didn't have time to teach them anything more meaningful. And so I always come back to this. like I was not able to successfully hire until I had written performance strategies in my operations manual. And once I did, even if they weren't perfect, but you know, I had some rudimentary steps to accomplishing a task. Once I had that, then I was able to hire and people were able to be successful at what I needed them to do. Absolutely. And I think even having performance reviews, having checkpoints, having checkpoints, meaning like quick check-in meetings with your uh, team are very important um, because if you've written that job description, they've been hired and they start, you know, the first project on that task list, or they understand that 
they've got to upkeep the studio. Let's check in on it. How's it going? Where are your pain points? Are you having any questions about this? You know, as we all know, no sampling is the same size. So, you know, you always have to uh, change sometimes the way in which you're resourcing. So my point is, is, is be personable, check in with your team. You're only going to be as strong as you are when you're cohesively working together. If you've got one person going in one direction, you've got one person going in another direction. Yeah, I can imagine it might be a little bit of a tornado type situation in the office. So I think being sure your people are cared for and taken care of are very, very vital to the success of your business. And so if that means checking in with them, understanding not just on a business level your uh, goals, but then too, hey, what have you got going on personally? Are you working towards, you know, a big dream of yours personally? For me, I'm getting ready to go hike Yosemite uh, Half Dome uh, in about a month and a half. And so I've never done that before. That sounds cool. Never gotten out of my comfort zone like that. But, you know, to have someone who's encouraging me in my work environment. Hey, how's that hiking going? You know, that makes all the difference. Um, And so you can have people, you know, be very business driven when it comes to it, but you also need to have a personal side too. You need to be personable. And so I think um, it's just going to create an overall uh, better organizational culture. Oh, I, I bet you a lot of people listening are like, I want that person too. And yes. um, yeah, I, I, as I said, I wish I could go backwards and do it do it now. But I, you know what? I can do it starting now. Why not, right? And your roles, right. what you need in your firm will change over time. Like since 2008 till now, your mom's business has gone through all these transitions. Uh, my business has gone through all these transitions. And a larger team doesn't necessarily mean a more profitable business. So there is a sweet spot where you figure out that ideal number of projects, the ideal number of you know staff or independent contractors you need. But that single person who is there to manage strategy, to manage the overall workload, to manage onboarding, it sounds kind of like a dream. Is there some way of um, discussing what type of salary you might assign to someone like that if they were full-time? Do you have any idea how that might play out? I think there are factors that you need to analyze um, before you come up with a specific salary number. I think understanding their background, do they come from an accounting or finance background, communications background, organizational culture. I know people, um, there's degrees in that. So understanding their background, what are they going to bring to your firm? That's what is their asset? Like what is their magic, you know? And so understanding that, I think understanding your gaps in a company, what is it that you are wanting this person to achieve, um, are very important. Cost of living in your specific area, what is the average mean salary? Do some research. Um, you know, Google average salaries. Look at salary.com. Um, for someone who I would say five to seven years experience could be more. I mean, you're looking at probably seventy thousand dollars or more. Mm-hmm. Um, someone who is in the you know ten to fifteen year range, again depending on location and geographic cost of living, um, you could spend anywhere of uh, six figures, starting at a hundred thousand dollars. But again, uh, a lot of variables that play into doing and and identifying a salary. 
And you'd want to be able to justify that expense by what it did for your bottom line. You know, if this person is going to free up X number of hours of my time and I can take on, you know, one more project, I can cover that with room to spare kind of thing or two more projects, whatever it is. So you do want to always be going back to the numbers. The numbers never lie. (laughs) Absolutely. Numbers <laughs> never lie. And maybe there are some key performance indicators and, and key metrics that this person is going to help you obtain. Mm-hmm. By hiring this person, like you said, it's going to give me a bil- the ability to take on one more project. Or maybe having that person could be the reason I get that next project. Maybe there's a lot of back-end logistics for a potential complicated project or install. And they need to have the confidence in your design firm to say, hey, we want to hire you because you have that manpower to help us get that logistic or, you know, at an installation, um, you know, or managing um, the depth of the project, you know, because it's going to be so massive or a multi-unit building, for example, um, you know, and so having that person that's not just the designer, but can execute the project management, can execute the logistics, um, those are really, really important. So... In fact, it sounds like they maybe don't even need to be a designer. I think I would be focused at, at least in part on that person's ability to to do sales, whether yeah. that is sales to new clients or sales to suppliers or sales to who I want to be published with. Being able to confidently sell me as a brand has got to yes. be, I think, part of that equation as well. I agree. I think being personable, you could be an introvert and still be personal. You can be an extrovert, obviously, and and be comfortable around people. But being able to have a strength of talking with people, understanding whether it's a client, whether it's a vendor, uh, but being able to be relatable is very, very key to success in that role. Well, you're very relatable. Thank you so much. We like to end every episode with design intervention. It's a great piece of business advice you think everybody needs to know about. It's okay to change. It's okay to, the business advice would be, it's okay to, uh, if your process isn't working, or it's okay to sit down and say, all right, I think there's a better way to do X, Y, and Z. Or, you know what, A, B, and C isn't working. It's okay, just you're not (laughs) failing. It's a way to pivot. It's a way to say, okay, this isn't working, let's pivot. Or to let's hire that person, take that risk on, and see what happens. So it's okay to change. It's okay to, to have permission and say it's not working, let's go in a different direction. Oh boy. And for those of us who just like things to be status quo, that's like, right? Like that is just something that we have to really aim for. I think that's really good advice, Alara. Thank you so much. It was awesome to meet you. Thank you. Absolutely. It was nice to meet you too. Thanks for listening and supporting the BOD mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. If you're ready to implement an exact business model for running a streamlined, profitable business, field-tested by thousands of design professionals around the world, head to businessofdesign.com and get started today. It's time to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. 